0: The Hawkeye Nation podcast is happy to have Exile Brewing Company as our anchor sponsor based in Des Moines, Iowa down at 1514 Walnut Street established in 2012 the 2015 Great American Beer Festival gold medal winner top 10 best selling new craft beer in the nation for 2015 and you have that in Des Moines, Iowa available on tap and in bottles throughout the entire state. They brew five year round beers 10 to 15 seasonal and limited release beers, so check them out. Exile Brewing Company, 1514 Wallet Street. HN Podcast with Miller and Dace, March 6, 2017, and it's at night. Michigan has just got done throttling Nebraska in the last regular season game of this Big Ten year, wondering if it might not be the last Big Ten game for Tim Miles as head coach, at least, of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But uh, we have the brackets. um, The brackets are set. And since I was teasing earlier that we would be sharing our brackets on this, and I'm not going to write anything about it, which is a push to drive people to the podcast. um, Do you have your bracket filled out?
1: No, I'll do this game by game.
0: Okay, I've got mine filled out already well, this done. This so. is this is
1: this is a, this is a complete crapshoot. I mean, yeah. seriously, just—I literally have no idea who will win.
0: Yeah, because the NCAA bracket is science, and you always get that one right.
1: Well, my—I mean, this is you know, last year I don't remember how I did. I remember I correctly predicted Michigan upset Indiana because they needed the win to get the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I Indiana
0: dogged did. you on that one, I think.
1: Yeah, you did. I turned out to be right about that, but this is this is a crapshoot. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I, could make a case that the top any of the top ten seeds could win this. I mean, I, I really believe that. I think any of the top ten seeds are capable of winning the tournament. I said at the start of the year, I told us, I told you on the podcast that I'd be shocked if anybody other than Purdue, Wisconsin, or Indiana won the league uh, when it was all said and done. And Purdue ended up winning it outright. But from seed one Purdue to seed ten Indiana. I mean, if Indiana just just got hot, if their junior class just pulled a Steve all for Iowa, a couple times we saw back in the day, would that shock you at all? Not it would at all. Shock me at all?
0: Nope, nope, it would not. Shock me at all? It would not shock me at all. Let's get going on this bracket. Then we'll start at the top uh, of the Wednesday games, March the eighth, 13-seeded Purdue against 12-seeded Nebraska. And, um, I'm sorry, thirteen seeded Penn State against twelve seeded Nebraska. Boy, the Huskers look like a team that just – they don't care anymore. I, although, I give Michigan credit. They shot the lights out uh, in that game. I mean, that was that was pretty impressive. But I, I don't give Nebraska much of a chance. I'm going to go with Penn State in that one.
1: Just a second. I'm flipping a coin here. All right, I got Penn State. <laughs> I got – Keep I, that, this is literally a flip tournament. Keep, keep that coin handy. I, I mean, Nebraska, I mean, Michigan broke Nebraska's will with the amount of basket, the way they shot. And when you're trying to get in somebody's shorts and they just make the shots that Walton and to a lesser extent, Urban and Wilson and these guys were making, that breaks your will. But they had played pretty good the last month and a half. Just didn't have the record to show for it. Uh, but I'll go, with, I'll go with Penn State.
0: All right, number fourteen seeded Rutgers against number eleven seeded Ohio State uh, Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, I, this is one. I think Ohio State is just the better team. Although, I, and I and this is gonna sound like really snotty. Oh, I'll bring it. it bring it. Rutgers might be like the best three win team I've ever seen in the Big Ten. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> all over it.
1: <laughs> an, I said. Yeah, that's... I mean, I realize I just kind of gave them the one, one, uh, the one-legged man in the ass-kicking contest award, but I mean, they've played some good basketball at times for being a three-win team, man. They have.
0: Yeah, you gave them their props. Um, you just probably pissed off all three of our Rutgers listeners. <laughs> um, I didn't
1: mean it. Just I wasn't trying to be condescending, but I, I realized there was. Probably well, you don't have to try to. No you don't have
0: to try to be something. Sometimes I know, you just, just are. It
1: emanates from me naturally. I realize that. Yes. <laughs>
0: Um, day two, March 9th, Thursday. An um, order of games played noon on Big Ten Network, noon Eastern, 11 Central. Illini are the ninth seed against Michigan, the eighth seed. I have Michigan winning this one. Um, I think that loss to Rutgers by Illinois on Saturday is going to end, wind up costing John Gross his job. I don't think there was any way they could have gotten rid of him had Illinois made the NCAA tournament. And had they won that game, I think they might have made at least a play-in. But they lost that game. They were up, what, nine late? Very experienced, senior-laden team. And I think uh, I think that's all for them.
1: I'm going to go the other way. Uh, to me, Michigan, Minnesota, and Iowa, you can make an argument have played the best basketball in this league in the last two to three weeks. But when you shoot as well as they did today, and now you're going to a foreign environment, Uh, out there uh, in Washington, D.C. Noon game, Eastern, sterile. Uh, The last time we thought Illinois didn't want to play for John Gross anymore, they went on a run and got themselves right back on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. And I saw today, I mean, several bracket, a couple bracketologists still had them as their last four out. So I think this is the reverse of the Michigan-Indiana game last year, that Michigan had to have that game. Uh, The Wolverines don't have to have this game. Uh, and so I think you'll see Malcolm Hill put on a bit of a show. I think Illinois will steal this one. I'm going with the Illini. Okay.
0: Put that one down. I'm not going to mock you. Um, Penn State uh, against Michigan State. After the Illinois-Michigan game is done, I'm going to go with Sparty.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Sparty too. It's also a revenge game for them. They played Penn State once this year. They
0: had the palestra. Pretty,
1: yeah, it was at the palestra. They got beat pretty bad in that game too. So, uh, I think Sparty will come up big with the day's rest. Yes.
0: All right. Evening session, 5:30 p.m. Central Time. ESPN2 broadcasted on Thursday, March 9th, Indiana against Iowa. Exile Brewing Company has a couple of beers that they want you to know about one the Ruthie the flagship beer available year-round a golden lager light medium bodied beer incredibly smooth finish their most popular beer that Exile Brewing Company makes let me give you a few adjectives they give a subtle biscuit and caramel undertone but very well balanced brew with premium German malt and hops available year-round and some seasonal beers the one they're featuring Right now, the Sir Mokalot Stout. Again, some adjectives from Exile. Jet black in color, medium body, brewed with local cocoa from Stam, coffee malt, and chocolate malt. Robust coffee aroma, smells like a fresh pot of dark roast coffee. Rich, dark chocolate finish from local cocoa. That is available through February, available on tap and in bottles throughout the entire state of Iowa. And as I looked at things, Steve, last week, of all the possible matchups that Iowa might draw in the first round, the one team that I did not want to see come up for Iowa was Indiana. Indiana had Iowa down 17-4. to uh, in Carver-Hawkeye a couple of weeks ago, Iowa somehow came back and won that game 96-90, even though Iowa was just 5 of 24 from 3 in that game. It wasn't a three-point barrage like Iowa has done to Maryland, Wisconsin, and Penn State in their last three games. It's just that Indiana plays with a very low basketball IQ. That said, um, I, they they can just flat go off. And as you mentioned, Uh, to start this podcast, you wouldn't be surprised if Indiana made their way to the championship game. And I think Iowa has to have this game in order to um, feel nervous on Selection Sunday. If they win their next two games, I think they're in the tournament. If they win one and lose the next one to Wisconsin, I think it's nervous time. If they lose this one, I think it's NIT. And I am picking Indiana to win this game. Iowa's won four in a row. The chances of them winning those four games in a row were probably single digit percentage. Um, at some point in time, Iowa's not going to make 60% of their threes. I mean, they were against uh, Maryland, they were something like 16 to 24. Against Wisconsin, they were 9 of 19. Uh, against Penn State on Saturday, 11 to 21. That's like 58% of these last three games. And, like, you know, they didn't make threes to beat Indiana, but man. Indiana has talent, and they have quickness on the outside, and they can go off. I'm going to take the Hoosiers.
1: Tough game to pick for all the reasons that you just articulated, and these two teams just played a really good game just about a week and a half ago. Um, I'll take Iowa because, to me, I think it's a 51-49 game. And I think the 51 is with Iowa and the motivation of of getting to the NCAA tournament. But I'll say this: if if I'm the te- rest of the teams in the bottom of this bracket, I don't want to see Indiana win this game. I think this is the kind of thing that if Indiana wins it, I could see them playing. Uh, I could see them playing on Sunday. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll take Iowa with just a little with, – with, with more to play for, even though you do worry at some point Indiana's talent kicks in. But maybe that just won't happen this year. Sometimes you have years like that.
0: Yeah. You're just playing to the fan, your fan base out there. Um, Ohio State against <laughs> yeah. Northwestern, uh, the nightcap, the late game on ESPN2 on Thursday. Ohio State-Northwestern. I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think that Northwestern's been a great story. I think they're in the tournament. Uh, it was a really nice way for them to uh, you know punch their ticket to the dances so to speak with their last second win against Michigan this last week uh, i'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ohio State in an upset here
1: I'm gonna go the other way. I think the pressure's off Northwestern now, and I thought you saw them play uh fairly well uh, I think that was the first time Jim Nance ever called a game at Welsh Ryan in his career. So when was the last time he saw Northwestern at home, a CBS nationally televised game on a Sunday? I don't know. I've seen it my entire life. And I thought they played fairly well in that spot today. I think the pressure's off them now uh, when they got the miracle win against Michigan. And um, I, I think that uh, – I think they get the win against Ohio State, know, I just don't think it's really that good.
0: I don't think they are either. I just – I'm not – I am not do not like wagering on Northwestern. Back to the next day on the Friday, the March 10th, Illinois against Purdue. I'm taking Purdue.
1: Okay, I'll take Purdue too. You know, but if I'm Purdue, I definitely want to see Illinois win that game. Michigan is a matchup problem for me. Because Wagner can – we saw this when they played last week. Wagner can pull Caleb Swanigan 15 to 20 feet from the basket, which really opens up driving lanes for the rest of Michigan's backcourt. Illinois doesn't have, doesn't have a big that can do that, though. And so if I've got Illinois winning the game against Michigan, that is a better matchup for Purdue, so I will go with the Boilermakers there.
0: Next up on Friday, Michigan State um, against Minnesota. And we both have that as far as Michigan State Minnesota. Um, me, Steve, I, I'm taking Purdue over Michigan. You have Purdue over Illinois. Uh, this next game, we both have Michigan State playing against Minnesota. You know, last week I, I, I tweeted out that I might just take Minnesota to win the whole dang thing. But I watched their game against Wisconsin today and, and Sunday and was reminded that Minnesota has a lot of talent. Uh, this year isn't their peak. I think next year will be. And I think that maybe a moment can be a little bit too much for him yet. And I think that, you know, seeing Tom Izzo whine and cry like he did on Saturday uh, after, you know, they lost against Maryland. I'm going to take Michigan State to win this one.
1: Tough to beat a team three times in one year. And um, Sparty has done that. They have – or did – no, they've only played once, haven't they? That was actually in Michigan. It was the overtime
0: was the game, game in the barn.
1: Yeah, so they haven't beaten them three times. So I corrected myself. So in that case, then it's March. Go with Tom Izzo, Uh, especially with the two narrow losses they had on the road this past week. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'll go with Michigan State.
0: I have Indiana going up against Wisconsin on Friday, and I have Indiana winning that game. And I filled my bracket out before we came on. I was thinking similarly as you were with regards to Indiana. Just a hunch, dangerous team. I'll take them over the Badgers. You have Iowa against Wisconsin.
1: And, and in, in my case, that's a big revenge game for Wisconsin. Yep. Iowa just went in there this week, literally stole a game uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I prefer that phrase than giving a game away. I mean, even – and Wisconsin did some of that, but I, you still got to go out there and make plays. You know, I mean, you've got to actually go out there and still put the ball in the basket when the other team is, is, is gripping, you know, when they're uh, – Uh, when they're treading water. And so I don't really get into the whole "gave the game away lingo. I'm more in favor of stole the game from them, and Iowa did that. So I think this is a revenge spot for the Badgers uh, and their senior-laden team against Iowa, the youngest team in the conference, in March. I'll go with Wisconsin here.
0: Uh, Next up, I have Ohio State against Maryland. I have Maryland win that. You have Northwestern against Maryland.
1: I'll take Maryland uh, playing what is a de facto home game for them and a big moment for their program. You got to think they have some mojo back with Melo Trimble's miracle shot against Sparty to win that game uh, yesterday. So I'll take I'll take Maryland here.
0: All right, back to the top. We both have Purdue facing off against Michigan State. I'm going to take uh, Purdue to win this game. Who do you have?
1: I'm going with Michigan State. You know, if you look at history in this tournament. I think Michigan has only made it to the to the weekend twice since they won the first tournament in 1998.
0: So, time out. That, that that has been stripped from them, so they don't really have that title. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, nobody
1: ever. Nobody actually counts that. But um, Sparty, I, I could have sworn I got those games on DVD. I pretty much know who won. Check, Check them again.
0: Check them again. They. they you think ha- the
1: DVDs have been erased? Yep. You think? If I watched them again, they're yep. Just- Iowa in that first round game when Dean Oliver's just out, there running around playing nobody. Yep, they're blacked out.
0: Technology, bro.
1: Yeah, that's how it works now. <laughs> okay, but um, I, I, Michigan State seemingly, if they, if here's the thing with Sparty, if they don't lose their first game, they're like in the finals of this tournament like every year. So I'm going to go with Michigan State against Purdue. I'm taking Sparty. I think Miles Bridges, who had a huge game against Purdue about uh, a month ago. And what I like about Michigan State, Cassius Winston is beginning to come on now. And even though Purdue's backcourt this year has been a bit of a revelation because that was the big question mark for them coming in, if Winston continues to play this way, they don't have somebody with his level of athleticism. And I think he's the difference along with Izzo and Mark. So I'm going with Michigan State.
0: Down on the bottom side, I have Indiana against Maryland. I'm going with the Terrapins. As you said, it is a de facto home game for them, not played in their home arena, but is certainly uh, in, their, uh, in their area code. I think that it's set up pretty well for them. And when I saw the bottom half of the draw, I mean, it, it couldn't be a better draw, really, for them to make it this far.
1: No, and I've got uh, Maryland against Wisconsin, and I'm taking Maryland for the same reason. And I just think Melo Trimble, too athletic for the Wisconsin backcourt. And it's a de facto home game for them. So that gives me a – I think that gives me a final then of Maryland and Michigan State, correct?
0: It does. I have Purdue against Maryland, and I am making a boring chalk pick of Purdue winning at the number one seed and really in all but two years, Steve. Um, It – but if, you, if you only count the ones that, that uh, are still you know counted by the Big Ten, it's a one, two, or three seed that wins this tournament. And Maryland uh, was a three seed, so you have them there. Michigan State's a five seed. Purdue's a one. I've got Purdue cutting down the nets regular season and postseason.
1: I'm going to take Sparty over Maryland. I know in my bracketology I had Maryland winning this tournament originally. But I think it becomes a big revenge spot for Sparty. Uh, with the way that uh, Maryland uh, pulled that out against them on Saturday. So I'll take uh, – this, this would be peak as though just kind of scuffle your way through a season of injuries and everything else. And a year ago, they were the number one pick in on, on every bracket uh, manager uh, in, on, on the Internet. And they were out the first round against Middle Tennessee State. So this is sort of the ISO thing. You count him out, we get to March, he goes on a run. I'll take Michigan State to beat Maryland for the championship. All
0: right, I mean, obviously Iowa finished the season winning four games. They're 18 and 13. I think I had them 17 and 14 before the season began, and I had them 8 and 10 in the Big Ten. They're 10 and 8 in the Big Ten, and frankly, if they wouldn't have had a game stolen from them at Minnesota, they'd probably already be in the tournament right now at 19 and 12 with an RPI somewhere um, in the high 50s, given the value RPI jump they had over wins at Maryland and at Wisconsin these last two games where they jumped 33 positions in the RPI. Last year's selection committee showed us that, you know, maybe it isn't as much about RPI as it used to be, as I believe Syracuse uh, is the lowest RPI ever to make it in. They were, what, 71 or 72 Last year, as a 10 seed, and they wound up making it to the Final Four. This year's. No, I
1: thought New Mexico made it as a 73 one year that their AD was on the was on the selection. I committee. think. I remember. I remember Jerry Palm telling me that
0: once. Yeah, that might have been. I, I th- I'm pretty sure Syracuse has that title. I, I read several things about it this last week. If I'm wrong, I'll. Okay. Um, I'll come back and admit it to you uh, on the on a phone call this week, um, but I won't tell our listeners that. Um, so th- this tournament, as you've also mentioned, when you did your bracketology last week, it's a very, very weak bubble. I'm already getting a headache from all these people tweeting at me today. Well, Joe Lenardi has a 98% accuracy rate. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You get 32 automatically for free. You get uh, the other 30. What is that? 30, 16, Yeah. When
1: nine. they say he's got 98%, what they're saying is his last bracket that he puts out 20 minutes before the selections are, are, are released when the entire uh, automatic bids are already determined. So yes. He gets all of those right, right away. Yes, that's 32 okay.
0: out of 32 yeah. you get for free. That's
1: what they're saying. That's, that's the 98%. And I remember the year that he got a couple of teams where he suddenly switched his bracket at the end. You remember this we talked about at the time because Jay Billis was going off on him on television wondering if he had an in on the committee. Because he made a couple of switches in his last bracket that, of, of teams he previously had out when all the games were played. And then suddenly in his last bracket, he put him in as if he somebody on the committee told him, hey, these guys are getting in. And I remember Jay Billis was kind of busting his balls about that on ESPN that season. So the, the bracketologist, guys, th- this is really the most overrated thing in sports punditry is NCAA tournament bracketology. It really is.
0: Don't disagree with you.
1: Now, so- that being said, I will, I will say this, though. I, I think that at the NCA selection committee, we have a new, somewhat new committee this year, Mark Hollis, the Michigan State AD, a new chairman. If there was ever a year that they wanted to break some precedents, this would be the year to do it. Because frankly, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that whenever you're on the bubble, you don't have a case that you were screwed anyway. You know I mean? If you're on the bubble, that means you don't have a good case. You're You're mitigating your case against... Somebody else is number one. Uh, number two, I think we spend way too much time debating who the last four or five teams are in, uh, much more than debating who the number one, two, three, or four seeds are, which gives you an advantage with the pod system of playing uh, closer to home, etc. Um, and, and, and number three, over the years, I mean, the RPI was introduced in 1993, and since then, you know we've had we've had committees that that, fit, that put a high emphasis on various other factors like whether you were a hot team coming in your conference record etc the one consistency has been in the rpi era is that every committee to varying degrees has put a high premium on what your non-conference schedule was now now we're in an era though where there's so many of these holiday tournaments now so many of these teams are playing each other that, that I, I don't know how we draw some distinctions. Like if I'm Iowa, a team I'm watching this week is Middle Tennessee State. To me, they're the one mid-major team that I could see someone in the committee banging the table for. They beat Sparty last year. They went 17-1 and one in Conference USA, which, which is not this year, but typically is a multi-big league. We've seen years where four or five teams from Conference USA got in. Uh, they also had a top 20 non-conference RPI. So to me, that's the sort of team, you know, with is a team that a lot of people thought they should have gotten in over Syracuse, Michigan, and Wichita State last year, and they didn't. So, if there was, so when, I'm, when I see what Iowa's RPI is, when I, if I'm on the committee and I see Iowa is 65th in Ken Palm, which the committee has let it be known they're going to use Ken Palm's analytics to some extent, we don't know what, in the formation of their own opinions this year. If, if I wanted to make a point, if I, if I wanted to give to mid-major some run that maybe in the past got overlooked, given the overall weakness of the bubble, this might be a year to do that. I still don't think they will because I do think it's about ratings and money and I think more people want to watch. I told you last year when we had this conversation, Michigan with Syracuse were getting in because they're not named Monmouth and that's why Monmouth isn't getting in. So I think you could say the same thing about teams like Iowa, for example, this year against teams like you know, Middle Tennessee. But that's that's one particular X factor I would look for, which is this. This might be the year to maybe throw some people some bones when you look at how weak overall the bubble is. But we'll see here in a week.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I wrote this a week ago Tuesday. um, You know, basically six days before since we before we we podcast this episode, and I said last Tuesday that. Iowa needed, I you know actually it was it was thirteen days ago when I wrote this. I said, Iowa needed to beat Maryland. They needed to beat Wisconsin. They needed to beat Penn State, and they needed to win two games in the in the big Ten tournament to get in the tournament. And Iowa has since beaten Maryland and Wisconsin, which I didn't think they had a snowball's chance to do. And they beaten Penn State at home. So they've done three of those five. I, and I still sit here and say, that if Iowa is going to get in the tournament, they have to win two more. Now, I'm not on the selection committee. I certainly feel like they have to at least beat Indiana to have a shot. If they don't beat Indiana, I don't think they get in, and they're maybe a two seed in the NIT, and they're hosting you know two or three games in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Um, if they beat Indiana, then I think it could be – I think that it is a – they've got a shot but you're sweating bullets on Selection Sunday. And if they win two, if they beat Indiana and Wisconsin, they're absolutely in, and they're maybe in as a 10 seed, potentially even as a nine seed, given the way that this year's bracket is. But I don't know what you think about that. Do you think that they have to beat Indiana to get in, and then do you even think that's enough?
1: I don't know. I think it's that fluid. I mean, I'm looking at Ken Palm's ratings right now.
0: I could have brought my wife in and asked her, and she would have said, I don't know.
1: Frankly, for me to say, I don't know, is a provocative opinion for me. Because, you know, I like taking, I like, I, I have no problem giving a provocative opinion if I really think it's right. So, I don't know. For me to say, I don't know, is one of the most provocative things I can say. I mean, like, I, like, like I'm looking at Ken Palm's Raiders, and we both like his analytics a lot, okay? But I'm trying to figure out why Oklahoma is 6-62 six with an 11-19 and 19 record, and Iowa is 65th. And, you know, I told you about a month ago here on the podcast that in the last 10 years, 93% of the teams to finish in Ken Palm's final top 30 of the season made the NCAA tournament. One of the exceptions was actually Iowa a couple of years ago. So I'm looking at Iowa's wins. Here, they've beaten Michigan, who's in the top 30 in Ken Palms ratings. They've beaten Purdue, who's in the top 30 in Ken Palms ratings. They've beaten Wisconsin, who's in the top 30 of Ken Palms ratings. They've beaten Iowa State, who's in the top 30 of Ken Palms ratings. So explain to me how Iowa has four wins over Pomeroy's top 30, and has seven more wins than Oklahoma. But Oklahoma is ahead. Can you explain that to me? I don't understand that.
0: No, and I was looking at his ratings as well. And, and I think that, you know, there, there's a heavy slant for teams that are efficient on offense and efficient on defense. And he ranks them as such. Now, I'm not going to, I love his ratings too. And when I look at where he has Iowa, I, I don't really have a, a huge gripe against it. Iowa is an 18 and 13 team, and in most years we wouldn't even be considering to agree. make it to the to, to the tournament. And that's
1: why I said I don't know, because in most years this wouldn't be a conversation. Okay, I mean you and I remember when a Taylor battle led Penn State was the first 20 win conference team with a winning record in league in the history in the 64 team era to not make it because of their non conference schedule. So in most years, we would not be having this conversation about Iowa, but it's not most years. And, and that's why I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what ha- What happens if Vanderbilt wins two games. What happens if they flame out? What happens if Xavier flames out? Um, I, you know, I, I, there's, there are too many variables right now with the rest of the bubble. Here's what I do think. I think if Iowa wins two games in the big 10 tournament, it won't matter what everybody else does. If they win one game in the Big Ten tournament, it might matter what everybody else does. If they don't win a game in the Big Ten tournament, it will probably matter what everybody else does. But I don't know. I really don't. This is, this is the weirdest year at the bottom of the bracket that I can remember.
0: And it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you're going to have a rebuilding year, boy, you know. on the one hand, I hate seeing Iowa having a rebuilding year in a year where the Big Ten was this gettable. And, you know, it coincides with Northwestern having one of their best teams, and that's why they look great. And, you know, Minnesota is still on the, you know, middle-ish side of young. And, you know, they had a breakthrough year for them compared to where they were a year ago. I mean, if Iowa had its team from last year, they might have won the Big Ten this year, but that's not how it works. And in a rebuilding year, when they finished 18-13, and they have – a legitimate, You and I discussing their NCAA chances isn't home or radio. It's legitimate. Now, neither of us thinks they're in right now, but they still have an opportunity where in most years they don't. So, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying by I don't know um, – I don't like I don't knows either. I don't like to give them, but this year it's certainly that because you, the, the go-to metrics that we typically have aren't going to make sense this year because when you look at the Lenardi's and other people of the world and who they have in those teams normally aren't in this tournament. Those teams normally aren't in consideration for this mm-hmm. tournament. And as you know, and Ken Pomeroy has even said himself that the NCAA selection committee isn't making their judgments based on the tools and instruments by which he measures teams. He knows that, but they are starting to phase more that way. So what the personality of this particular committee will be, we don't know that either. And it makes it all incredibly, incredibly fascinating to I mean, me. I,
1: work, I, I look at a team like Vanderbilt. We talked about them already. So let's say they get to the finals of the SEC tournament. You, you, most people think that would give them 19 wins and they would be in let's say they lose they'd be the first 15 loss at large birth in the history of this tournament okay so yeah some precedents are getting set when we do this one week from right this moment we're going to see some precedents are set okay it's just a matter it's just going to be a matter john of which precedents they are
0: indeed i'm sitting here i'm going through um what was the year that Iowa, that Bowlesby got, that we all say Bowlesby got him? That was 2005? 2005. 2005.
1: They got. That's the year that he got, uh, well, Iowa State kind of earned their way with, that's when Curtis Stinson and those guys in Blaylock went at Kansas that year. But Iowa and UNI, you and I, he got you and I in at large berth. And Iowa at 7 and 9 in the Big Ten, they upset Sparty on Friday at the Big Ten tournament. And he got, he got Iowa in that year as well.
0: Yeah, Iowa was 7-9. They were ranked 27th, though, in Pomeroy's um, index that year. And Ken Pomeroy wasn't – he wasn't known. I mean, some people were still getting the internet and basketball analytics, like, what, what are you talking about? Get that stuff uh-huh. out of here. But that uh-huh. was a team that when you look and you, and you mention how the high, incredibly high percentage of Pomeroy top 30s that have made it in. That was an Iowa team that some people scoffed and joked and said they shouldn't have made it in. They were a 10 seed that year uh, and at 7-9, and nine, but, you know, they, they were a top 30 team. So, at least we have that conversation. Let's talk a little more Big Ten. Go. This is going to be much less of a debate than maybe you thought it would be. Um, our All Big Ten Awards, you submitted yours to me, and I glanced at yours. Because, you know, the, the, the email was titled, For the Podcast Tonight. So whenever you put in work like that, I try to read it before we do it. And I, and I glanced and read it, and I caught myself. I'm like, why did I just read this? Because I like doing things myself. So I, I did see who you had. And I really was trying hard to find different players to put on my All-Big Ten team. Uh, especially with one of your players in particular to see if i couldn't you know find somebody that i believed in that we could debate since you know you which I, is
1: why i put the background on him because i thought that's where the argument would be about.
0: <laughs> you know me too well yeah and and i went and i poured through all the big 10 statistics i poured through the individual statistics i went and looked at pomeroy statistics and i just these are the five that I have, and it's the same five as you have. Caleb, Caleb Swanigan, no-brainer. Ethan Happ of Wisconsin, I think, is a no-brainer. Um, we both have Peter Jock. Some people may not, but the guy led the Big Ten in scoring. Um, he nearly scored 600 points this season for Iowa, one of the best individual performances. Um, and there's been times where he just took games over and can score 12, 15 points in the span of three minutes. He's on my list, he's on yours. Uh, Melo Trimble, I think at the end of the day, he's deserving as a first-team All-Big Ten player. Uh, I don't disagree with that. If I had to have one point guard in the league, um, I would take him. He's very, very experienced. He can get that, he can create his own shot. He's worthy. And then Derek Walton, that's the player that I really wanted to battle you on. But at the end of the day, I, I couldn't. I mean, he's had a fantastic season. What did he finish with? 15 assists against Nebraska. Um, All-time Michigan single-game record. Yeah, which is pretty incredible. And, you know, this isn't a career award, so that's why I really wanted to debate with you about his career statistics when that doesn't really matter. You know, I was thinking, uh, oh, gosh, why can't I? His name escapes me, that guy from Illinois. Um, Malcolm Hill. Malcolm Hill. I was thinking of maybe trying to make a debate for Hill, but I, I stopped myself because I don't make debates for guys on 8 and 10 teams who are a senior-laden team who basically spit the bit. They, they should have made this NCAA tournament. Maybe they still will, but they're a senior-dominated team, and, that, and that's a program that during his entire four years there, they've not made the tournament. Illinois may go five years – without making the tournament, or, or four, four, certainly four, which should never happen at Illinois. I agree that should never happen at Illinois. Given the talent that state produces, it's a fireable offense, literally a fireable offense. So I wasn't going to go to the mat with him, so we both agree on all those picks.
1: Well, you, um, look, at, you look at Derek Walton, 1,000 1, points, 600 rebounds, 500 assists. No one at Michigan, and you think of all the All-Americans, all the pro players they've had, no one at Michigan's ever done that. Like only six players in the history of the Big Ten have done that. That's, I was blown away when I saw that. And, you know, two months ago, I told you on this podcast, he might be the worst point guard in the Big Ten right now. He was atrocious.
0: Yeah, the the fan in you is riding him pretty hard.
1: And then I don't know what happened. It, you know, some somewhere around the beginning of February, late January, Michigan and Wisconsin switched bodies. And when you now, now Wisconsin got back to kind of being themselves a little bit today. But man, for the last three and a half, four weeks, they look like what Michigan looked like: dribble, 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 dribble. Down to one second on the shot clock, whoever's dribbling, jack up a shot. That's been the Wisconsin offense, like for a month until today. Now, some of our listeners are going to be like, well, what about Minnesota? I don't think they have a first-team player, but if you wanted to tell me that three of their guys are on the second team, I could go for that. They're just a really balanced team, and their roles – and they, and guys fit into the roles really well.
0: They do. And, and is it Lynch, the shot blocker?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, he, Mason, the point guard. Coffee's kind of your do-everything kind of, you know, glue player, does a little bit of everything for them. Sure, you bet.
0: So tell me again the – the um, so 1,000 points.
1: 600 rebounds, 600. 500 assists.
0: Okay, because your email said 500 rebounds and 400 assists.
1: Okay, maybe I had it wrong then. I apologize. No, that's okay. all right. That's all right. I was just trying
0: I'm, – I'm looking um, – I'm pulling up this um, college basketball reference, and I'm just curious to see if I can't search that real quick. Oh, gosh darn it. Anyway, I'll, I'll do it another time. That's pretty – that's pretty – Pretty good statistics. Um, both of us had Swanigan as Player of the Year. I, that's a no-brainer. There's nobody else, I think, that you can choose. Um, very About
1: a month ago, there would have been a debate between him and Ethan Happ, but not in the last
0: Yeah, I, you know, teams started yeah, start double-teaming Happ, which is a great compliment. Yep, um,
1: also and forced him to make foul shots. And he can't
0: make foul shot. shots, and that's cost him a couple of games, cost him against Iowa. Coach of the Year, you go first.
1: Well, I mean, uh, I said this earlier today on Twitter. In a normal year, Fran McCaffrey would get a lot of consideration for Big Ten Coach of the Year. You're talking about the youngest team in the league. They were pegged from anywhere to the ninth to twelfth in the conference, and they went 10-8, and eight, and they're on the NCAA bubble. But it is not a normal year. I mean, you have really two coaching jobs this year that are of historic proportions in the Big Ten. I don't know – I've that there's I've ever seen a coach do what Richard Pertino did this year, plus nine in Big Ten wins, from two to eleven plus nine, plus nine. I've I've never I don't I don't know that I've ever seen that. Uh, and then you throw in Chris Collins. This is the first time Northwestern's ever made it. It's going to be the first time they've ever made the NCAA basketball tournament. So I think you're looking at both of those guys have have done sort of generational type of coaching jobs this season. Like if I'm NC State, for example, I'm I'm, I'm going after one of those two guys. Now I might go after McCaffrey too, he plays an entertaining brand of basketball. If I'm NC State, I'm looking for guys that can build a program. Those three, those are the three names that are going to be very high on my list, for example, if I'm them. But, I would, to me, I couldn't decide between Patino and Collins, so I just decided they're going to share it. I'm going to give it to them both.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I, I don't remember many years where there are four names that I feel if one of the four won, I'm, I'd be fine with it. Um, typically, it's a couple. Sometimes it's just one person that stands out. With regards to McCaffrey, yeah, this is supposed to be Iowa's rebuilding year. They are the seventh or eighth youngest team in all of college basketball. If they do make it to the NCAA tournament as an at-large, they will be the youngest team in the field. They were not supposed to be playing the way – they're not supposed to be winning games at Maryland and at Wisconsin back-to-back, much less at any point in time during the course of the season. That's, that's not what this year was supposed to be traditionally for an Iowa rebuilding year. And th- even though they were within one game of what I thought their ultimate record would be, they played much better, um, more consistently than I expected them to be able to play this year. And, and the future is incredibly bright. And had Iowa not gotten that game literally stolen from them at Minnesota – when, you know, the refs didn't hear Brady Ellingson calling timeout with 20 seconds, okay, it can be loud, I can understand that, but, you know, the, the, Wisconsin, the, the, the Minnesota's player's foot was on the end line, half of it was inbounds, half of it was out of bounds, should have been Iowa ball, Iowa was up two in that spot, and Ellison's a good free, and Ellison's a decent free throw shooter. But you know, wouldn't have mattered as far as free throws anyway. I'm just saying, Iowa and and Minnesota would have had um, would have had the same record, so that would have been 11 wins uh, for McCaffrey. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. We've given it to him, Patino. You know, part of me was thinking, okay, last year was their rebuilding year. This year they were supposed to be better, but plus nine is pretty crazy. There's no doubt, and he has. I, a-
1: I can't think off the top of my head. A coach that went plus nine in the Big Ten.
0: I mean, maybe somebody went five to 14, but that's, that's an unbelievable jump because that means you're going almost from worst to first.
1: Yes, that's exactly what it
0: is. So I, I, it, may not, it may have never happened. Um, may have never happened. I'm sure we'll read about it this week. So I, I give him a great deal of credit because, frankly, I thought he was a joke and was basically going to flame out. And, and that team is – they're a fun team to watch play. And as far as Collins, I mean, weren't a lot of people saying that, well, this was going to be the year that Northwestern was finally going to break it. You were saying that before the year began. Um, And people expected this to be one of the better Northwestern teams ever. And they have been in a bad Big Ten and are in Mm -hmm. in a down Big Ten. And they have been. So to me, Northwestern has played nearer to what people thought they were going to be than Iowa or Minnesota. So I removed Collins from the scenario. And now I'll tell you who I would vote for. I would vote for Matt Painter. Um, before the season began, I think the consensus was Purdue was going to be behind Indiana and Wisconsin and Michigan State. Preseason AP poll Wisconsin was ninth, Indiana was 11th, Michigan State was 12th. Now, Purdue wasn't Sisters of the Poor. They were 15th. Um, I, I Googled today before we did this, you know, the CBS panel of experts and all their guys had their little logos, 1st through 14th, etc. Most all of them had Indiana or Wisconsin winning the Big Ten. One of them had Maryland winning the Big Ten. Most everybody had Michigan State third and, and Purdue fourth. And they won the Big Ten by two games. They were um, two games wide of Wisconsin. I think they were three games wide or four games wide of, of Maryland, three, and they were four wide of Michigan State and seven wide of Indiana. I would vote for Matt Painter, and I'm typically, Steve, not a guy who ever would cast a ballot for the team that won more often than not, especially a team that was ranked 15th coming into the season. But I'm going to go with I would, I would cast my vote for Matt Painter.
1: I think you make a good case. I just don't think it's nearly as strong of a case as there is for Collins or Patino. Heck, I don't think it's as good of a case as it is for McCaffrey, but um, I don't have a problem with the case you made. I just don't think it's as strong as the other three. And I did just look it up. The last time I can find a Big Ten coach that went plus nine. Under Judd Heathcote in 1989, Michigan State went six and 12 in the Big Ten. In 1990, they went 15-3. and three, Damn. Uh, and won the championship. That's how far back I had to go. That's
0: incredible. Did you like Google search that, or were you just eyeballing it?
1: I was just looking at college sports reference while I was listening to you uh, wax poetic. On. Yeah,
0: college sports reference. I, I probably go to that site every single day. It's a great website. Um, all right, so there we have that. I mean, we're
1: talking That's a quarter century. Yeah. to put that in perspective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, newcomer of the year, yeah, Miles Bridges is pretty good. Hopefully he's good enough that he's gone.
1: Yeah, I think he's a one and done. But they're going to be loaded next year. Loaded. I mean, the the, the 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 big story for Sparty is the emergence of Cassius Winston, but also Nick Ward. Nick Ward has been nearly impossible to stop for the last two to three weeks in the lane. And Winston, the light has come on for him. You know, he was a big-time point guard recruit, and it just... Some guys just takes longer. You know, I mean, it just... Took a while for the light to come on, but um, with his with the way he's playing, that takes their team to another level.
0: Great, love hearing that. Again, life's about timing, and uh, Iowa had their rebuilding year when Michigan State and a lot of people were down. Next year, Iowa's going to be really strong. Michigan State's going to be strong. Minnesota's going to be strong. Wisconsin's going to pull back. Purdue probably pulls back. But, um, yeah, fun times. Well, a week from a week from right now, we'll have the real bracket, one of my favorite nights of the year. Mine too. Uh, it is – I don't know why it is. It's just this is my favorite sports month of the year. And getting those – there's something magical still to me at, at 46 – that when I get that bracket in my hand and I print it out for the first time and I'm looking at all those names and all those lines, I just I just get giddy. It's probably the most um, tradition-laden sporting thing that you know I, I do and have done. As I've you know, do you remember back in the day in the, in the early 1980s the the insert in Sports Illustrated? The, yeah. the, do you remember who the sponsor of that was? No. The, the back sponsor was Camel cigarettes. Oh boy,
1: I knew I figured it was going to be a tobacco when you asked me <laughs> It
0: that. was it was Joe Camel I still have several Of my old 1980s brackets That I'd filled out I still have them in a shoebox um, I used to have, I'd go
1: get poster board and, and get rulers and. That's draw my exactly
0: where I was going I yeah. did the same thing I'd have my dad bring poster Board home from work and I'd sit there and meticulously Draw it out myself in addition to the Joe Camel, because we didn't, we didn't get immediate access to the brackets back then. You you waited till the next day in your newspaper, or you waited till the Sports Illustrated came, and that was when you saw your bracket. Um, so yeah, really pumped up about that. Looking forward to that one as always. For Steve, I'm John. Thanks for listening.